This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. How many excited for the Word of God this morning? How many believe that the Word of God can transform your heart and your life? I would not get into this job if I didn't believe that because my life has been transformed by the goodness of Jesus Christ. I can honestly stay, uh, say here this morning to you, uh, we are going to talk about purity, so it's a fun subject. Sandra saved the best for me. So I get to deal with the, the heavy lifting of dealing with the subject of purity. Um, but I want to say right off the bat, I know that this is a massive issue in our culture. I know that this is not uh, limited to the world, but in a lot of ways, is as equally a big, as big of an issue in the church. And so I'm, I want to say that not to, not to condemn anyone, but just to bring awareness to the fact that this is not an isolated incident that never touches within inside the four walls of the church. This is an, an issue that's very real. But I also want to say to you this morning that I am walking and living proof of the grace and the mercy of a loving God. With this issue, some of you are new, and I'm not going to repeat my whole story. I'm sure you've heard it through the grapevine, but you're looking at a guy that had a three-year addiction to pornography that was so overwhelming. I felt so used. I felt so abused. I felt contaminated, polluted, disgusted. I felt everything you can possibly think of. All of that, while I was weeping unto God, saying, God, help me. God, help me. I can't do this anymore. I have news for you today. One of the number one ploys of the enemy is to rob you of your purity. And I'm not just talking about sexually here. I'm talking your thought life. I'm talking your moral compass. I'm talking the way you make decisions, how you filter those, decision make, uh, those decisions, and how you think through everything. Because I'll tell you right now, it's not relegated to sexuality. Integrity is far-reaching. How do you deal with financial decisions is an issue of purity. How you deal with relationships is an issue of purity. It's not just sexuality. For those that are maybe new this morning to the church, we've been doing a series. This is its fifth week, and it is ending today. We're starting a new series next week on relationships called Fit to Last. We are excited about that. Ray's going to be coming this next week and sharing the message. Um, but we've been doing a series called Vintage, and really this whole idea of vintage is a word that is so far-fetched in our culture today because it's something that Um, talks about a day gone by where things were uh, characterized by excellence, maturity, and enduring appeal. Something that is classic of lasting interest and importance. How many wish some of the vintage thoughts would come back? So what we've been talking about for the last four weeks and then today is five big thoughts that unfortunately have um, kind of disappeared in our culture today. But I believe today, (coughs) excuse me, as we talk about this issue of purity that really this just kind of brings uh, the whole vintage series to an appropriate close because we believe that this is one of the greatest areas that the enemy comes to attack the very call and gift of God on your life. There's nothing, think about this for a second. How many have ever heard of uh, pastors falling in ministry? What's 99% of the reason? It's purity. And the other 1% is fraud. 
right? But just so you know, I'm not building my own private golf course with the money that comes in. So it's all good. It's all good. I just want to clarify that so there's no misunderstanding, all right? But I tell you, the issue in this, in this world right now is the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to start with your purity. Because I tell you, this is huge. Purity defined as freedom from contamination, freedom from spiritual or moral defilement, and obviously, especially in the issue of sexuality. The Urban Dictionary, which every once in a while comes up with some cool thoughts, and I thought this was neat. It says, purity is about being something. Abstinence is about not doing something. But I love this thought. It says, purity is about being something. So it's referencing this idea of mission. It's referencing this idea of identity. Purity is about a mission. It's about identity. And I'll tell you right now, that is what God wants us to to think about this morning, is that he wants you to be on mission, not with the world's version of sexuality, but God's version of sexuality. How many know that we're going to stick out like a sore thumb if we do what God asks us to do? we got to be okay with that. We can't be embarrassed to be like Jesus. Okay, so um, have anyone in this uh, room here ever met a germaphobe? Anybody? Okay, Um, just in case no one knows what that is, I'll explain it in a very simple definition. It's a person with an extreme fear or awareness, depending on how you want to look at it. (laughs) We'll, we'll, We'll put it nice, an extreme awareness of germs, okay, and an obsession with cleanliness. How many are married to one? Don't put up your hands. Okay, don't put up your hands. All right. Okay. I remember uh, many years ago, there was, um, I won't say who, many, many, many years ago, there was a church greeter that we knew in a church, one of the ones that I was at, so there's only two, so it's either King Street Pentecost or OCC, but don't call Pastor Frank. Um, <laughs> there, was, um, there was a greeter there that used to make me laugh. And if you could picture for a second, this person would make sure that they would stand by a wall, like, you know, kind of one of those, uh, those half walls where they could put some very strategically placed hand sanitizer devices. You know what I'm saying? And then in their back pocket was a hand sanitizer, and in the other back pocket were wipes. Okay, so they were prepared. And you could just see them every single Sunday and how they would function and be like, oh, welcome, welcome to... OCC, and welcome to this wonderful church. It's so great to have you with us. Enjoy the service. (laughs) Next one comes in. Hey, great to have you at OCC this morning. It's so great to see your one, two, three, four, five, six kids. Welcome to the service. (laughs) Woo! And then the next one, someone comes in with Ottawa Senator jerseys on. They go, welcome to the service. And they grab the big one and they start pouring it on because they don't want the germs of that nasty team. Sit down. You're out of my will. Anyhow, okay. Germaphobes have problems. Okay, they, they, they have problems. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about them today, if that's okay with you guys. Germaphobes have always wondered why the seven dwarfs put up with Sneezy. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? 
They're the people that never go to public washrooms for obvious reasons. You know what I'm saying? These are the same people that carry at least 50 hand sanitizers, whether it's in their purse or in their car or somewhere close by where they have access to it. These are people that need help. They're actually convinced that the Bible actually says that cleanliness is next to godliness. I have news for you this morning. It doesn't say it. It's not in the Bible. It's been the most oft-quoted verse in Scripture right next to John 3.16, and it doesn't exist. So it's not in there. So if, if you always believe that it was, just be free this morning. It's going to be okay. Just be free. It's oh. But why in the world does a germaphobe do what they do? Why do they constantly have to wash their hands? Because they afraid of germs, and they don't want to get, they don't want to get sick. They don't want to get your flu. They don't want to get your cold. They don't want to get your sniffles. They don't want to get your runny nose. They don't want to get any of that, right? They are incredibly paranoid of getting sick because they know if they bring it home, in our situation, if I bring it home, it's going to spread to six other people. And how many know that's no fun? How many are paranoid every single morning when you send your child to school and then you have a 30-minute prayer meeting? Oh, Lord Jesus, no germs coming home today. If you do that, you have a problem. Okay, we will have an altar call after for germaphobes, but it's okay because we believe in the power of healing. So it's all good. You'll be healed and delivered this morning from that germaphobe spirit that's referenced in Cameron chapter 17, verse 3. Anyhow, okay, moving right along. In contrast, Christians... Are you ready for this? Need to be like a germaphobe when it comes to purity. We do. We do. Can you imagine what our life would be like if we avoided the germs and contamination of sin? And I have news for you today. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a guy that had a massive addiction to pornography. I understand this concept. I don't know if you guys have noticed lately, but almost every news, uh, uh, news website, so whether it's CNN or The Star or anything else that comes out right now, almost every news uh, paper that's online comes up with little ads off the sides of their website that can pretty much qualify for soft porn. And we have to now deal with that on our news because we, we can't even go look at the news anymore without having to deal with it. We, it's everywhere. What's the latest styles? The latest style is telling you to dress provocatively. Women, don't do it. Thankfully, men don't have to do that. Because we don't have... I don't know, that would be weird. (laughs) That'd be odd. But I tell you, don't give in to the thoughts of the day that says that you have to dress like this in order to be accepted. You have to be like this in order to be accepted. You have to tell the funny, uh, crass, and, and rude jokes in your lunchroom at work because you have to be accepted. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm going to do so. Actually, I'm just going to act this. I was actually going to bring in a whiteboard. I don't have time to do that right now. But I just want to. I want to show you guys something that I think will just kind of set us up for uh, the rest of this day. Sin this morning is much worse than germs. Sin contaminates and pollutes and brings us to a place uh, that is full of mixture, full of hopelessness, and full of frustration. And God wants to set us free from that this morning. How many know that if we were to draw, I mean, I, don't, I can't do this this morning, but if we were to draw a big line from this side of the stage, 
all the way across to this side, and it was perfectly parallel to the ground. And we said, that's the beginning of time, and this is 2015. And we're to draw a straight line across, and we were to say, that's God's standard. How many know that God's standard has never changed? Now, his message has never changed, but the way that we deliver his message, we do because we want to reach people with the message of Christ. So we want to flavor the message in order for people in 2015 to understand it. How many know that if I spoke in King James language every Sunday and used uh, stories and parables that would have related to someone from 1915, they would be looking at me like I'm nuts and we would not have a church. It would be me, my wife, and five children. That would be it. Because you all would leave and I would actually encourage you to do that. So... We have this God's standard line. How many know that from the beginning of time to now, the world standard just keeps going down? Just keeps stepping down, 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 down. Now it's way down here. Things that are being allowed to be like, I mean, if my grandparents were still alive today and they would see the news headlines of 2015, they would all die instantly and say, there's no way, that's not the culture I grew up in. What in the world has it come to? They would be mesmerized and shocked out of their minds to see where the world has come to today. But the problem that we have is the church is a little bit above the world, but it's on the same step. We just keep stepping down. But we're okay because we're better than the world, right? So we're a little bit above the world, but we're comparing ourselves to the wrong standard. If we compare ourselves to the world, then we're doing okay. But if we compare ourselves to God's standard, we're not okay, right? And God knows that when we can live in his standard, the blessing of God and the purposes of God come forth in your life like nobody's business. So trust him today that when he reveals his standards, he doesn't reveal it to beat you over the head. He reveals it to call you higher. We often talk about, uh, even in leadership, um, some of the analogies that I've used before in leadership, describing leadership is this idea of a, like, a, how many have ever seen the Olympics, Summer Olympics? Have you seen high jump? High jump's pretty cool. When I was young, I tried to straddle jump it. I didn't work. <laughs> I still have memories of that moment. It was painful. So someone taught me how to not straddle jump, but actually do it properly, where you lean and arch your back over. But what's amazing about high jump is that the actual Olympic standard to actually even make it to the Olympics is 1.94 meters. So if you can't do 1.94 meters, you can't get to the Olympics. And even if you make 1.94 meters and you make it to the Olympics, you could still come dead last out of 50 participants. So the point is, is that in everything in life, someone's setting a bar. So the question is, is not what's the bar, but where is it set? And if the bar is God's bar, then it's never changed. So it's still in the set position of it was, as it was 6,000 years ago of human history. Right? So it's still set. Isaiah chapter 6. I just want to give you a little bit of background here. This is the prophet Isaiah having a vision and a dream. God revealing himself to the prophet Isaiah. And it is mind-blowing what happens here. In the first four verses, God literally sets out God's standard for life, for holiness. So the holiness standard for life is right here. Okay? And he sets it out. And listen to what Isaiah's response is when he sees God's standard. Are you ready? Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. His only response was, I'm unclean. The story goes on. It says, and there was a coal that was brought from heaven, and it literally seared his lips, and it and 
prophetically speaking, it cleansed him and made him to be a voice piece for God, a, a messenger for God, which obviously God used him pretty powerfully. But what I want you to be today is I want you to think about being on mission to avoid the contaminants and the pollutants of this world. Okay? I don't know about you, but I think we've forgotten some things as a culture. That's why we're doing this series called Vintage. I think we're, we're in a place as a culture that obviously is concerning. And, and obviously what we just referenced is there's still a great gap between the church and the standard of God. So we've got to make sure that that gap is not only shortened up very quickly, but taken away. But the one thing I keep coming back to is why is that gap there? Why is there a disconnect between where God's standard is and where the church's standard is? Why is that there? And I can only come to one conclusion. I I mean, I've thought about this, I've prayed about it, I've studied it, I've looked into it, and I keep coming back to the same conclusion. Are you ready for this? It's very simple, but it's profound. We are here today because we've forgotten who we are. That's it. We've forgotten who we are. We've lost our identity in Christ. I am completely convinced that when you know who you are, you're going to know what to do. How many have ever seen the, uh, the, the decision-making paradigm of an insecure person and the decision-making paradigm of a secure person? Have you ever noticed the difference? It's pretty obvious. Secure people know how to make decisions, and they usually make them pretty good and pretty fast, and pretty, their, their track record of decision-making is pretty good. Okay. Oh, time's up. Sorry. All right. Okay. Sorry, Lord. I went over again. All right. Okay. Woo. <laughs> Ephesians chapter one, verse four. I love this verse. It says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I don't know if you guys remember just the last month we did this series called the new season. How many were blessed by that? Awesome. How many are still living in their new bucket? Awesome. For those that never heard of that before, just put up your hand anyway. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I got a new bucket. Woohoo, yay. But you are a new creation. And whenever you've come into a relationship with God, God puts away the old and gives you the new. Right? But how many know that when God or something is renewed in your life, if God renews something or you get something in your life that's been renewed, maybe something that was very precious to you and you see it renewed. Okay, it could be, I remember when I was growing up, one of the chairs my grandparents had, then it was falling apart, but they ended up getting it renewed reupholstered, refixed, all this new stuff, and it looked like brand new. And it was like, wow. And the funniest thing is after that moment, Grandpa would never allow any of the grandkids to sit on it ever again. Up to that moment, he didn't care. But after that, it's like, no grandkids on Grandpa's special chair. It's like, okay, 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 okay. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I tell you, when something is renewed, you want to protect it. You want to protect it from contaminants, namely five-year-olds with you know, snot all over their face and rubbing it all over your chair, right? You want to protect it. I have news for you today. You're deeply loved by God. There's a verse in Scripture that talks about us as the church being the bride of Christ. Now, I know for men that's really weird. Hey, we're the bride of Christ. Yeah, let's, let's have a men's conference and talk about what it means to be the bride. That's awesome. You know, that's just, I can relate to that, Jesus. Thank you for that analogy. You know, we like the ones where it says, we're the army of God. You know, that's what we're like. You know, we start grunting and making other noises that our wives don't like us making. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good because we annoy them and it's great. And then we say to them, hey, listen, it's okay because we're just, we're stuck forever. And they go, 
I don't want to be stuck with you forever. And I said, it's okay. Because at one moment in time, I will die and then you'll be free. (laughs) Just wait it out. It's all good. It's all good. It's okay. All right, all right, okay. So what does a bride do? Well, a bride is on mission. I don't know about you, but those last number of months, a bride is on mission. Okay? They are on mission preparing herself for her wedding day. And I'll say one step further, preparing herself for her groom. Right? John 3, 29 says that the bride belongs to the bridegroom. So we have to understand this. As Christians, we're not our own. We're not our own. When you become a Christian, life is not your own. We now live it in Christ. We make decisions in Christ. We dress up in the morning in Christ. We say things at our workplace in Christ. We connect with people in Christ. We think godly thoughts because we are in Christ. We're in Christ. For he chose us in him. When we are chosen by God and we're in him, everything else just starts to make sense. Amen? So what is God's true and ultimate call on your life? We are called to be like him. Sandra and I are approaching 15 years of marriage, and I don't know about you, but for those that have been married any length of time, you you realize you start to become a lot alike one another. It's scary sometimes how much you become like one another. Not only do you finish each other's sentences, but, you know, you convince them all to go out and get Toronto Maple Leaf hoodies. It's nuts. It is nuts. But I have won her over to the dark side of the force. It's good. No. No, it's awesome. But I tell you, we become like each other. We become like each other. The mission of purity is to become like Christ. Yet the world wants us to become like the world but without any promise of anything and with nothing but disappointment and frustration and hurt. I don't know about you, but I want to look more and more like, the, uh, like Christ, not like the world. I want to look more and more every single day like there is something about my life that someone looks at and says, man, you're like Christ. It bothers me when someone notices the worldly side of me and points it out. Not because what they say bothers me, but what's on, on the inside bothers me because I realize, man, there's something about me that needs to get better. Because if someone's seeing the worldliness, that means there's something still in there that's got to be dealt with, and that's not good. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and we have it on the screen behind us, so just follow along. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Can't go wrong with that. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus not only is the perfecter, but he's the purifier when our eyes are on him. I love this verse because it also references this idea of shame. What is the number one issue that keeps people from experiencing the touch of God in the area of purity in their lives? Well, it's shame. Well, you don't, I can't come to God because if God knew what I did, listen, he already knows what you did. So, the best decision you can make is say, God, I'm going to come to you because you're the only one that can perfect me. You're the perfecter. So I'm going to come to the one that perfects. Does that sound like a plan? All right. 
Because I tell you, when our eyes are on him, it changes everything. First Peter 1, verses 14 to 16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Romans 12, 2 goes on and talks about the will of God in connection to this. And it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of, of impurity in the world. I just threw that in for... Good measure. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renewing your mind, it's a calling. It's a, it's a command. It is something that's so powerful. And as we've already shared, when you renew something, you want to protect it. Right? You want to protect it. Protect and guard your purity this morning. I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter where you go. Culture is bombarding every single person with the idea of impurity. It's frustrating, especially for me who's had a history with some of those things. It is incredibly frustrating that I can't go to certain places anywhere, it seems, ever, and not have something thrown in your face. It's frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. So I've got a solution. What we're going to do is we're going to homeschool all our children and live in a gated community. Whoa, what an idea. That's just awesome. It's like I came up with it right now. It's like just from the Lord. I'm just joking. For those that homeschool your children, I love you. It's all good. Um, but um, whew, thank you, Jesus. But sometimes our, our idea is the only way we can keep pure is to isolate. Isolate, isolate, isolate. Well, how many know that light can't penetrate darkness if it's just around light all the time? That's why I love talking to our Queens girls. Man, they're in the midst of the battle Every single day of their life. Every day. But I'm so glad they're light. They are light. They don't compromise. They're like, you know, I'm standing up for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So they don't deal with nothing. It's awesome. But we need to protect our purity like a germaphobe. So that's the only thing that you're going to remember the rest of the day. Protect your purity like a germaphobe. So every single time that you see a hand sanitizer anywhere in the world, I want you to think, I'm pure, I'm pure, I'm pure. That's what I want you to think, okay? Little moments to remember. Train yourself to be godly. I want to encourage you. Discipline yourself to be a people of godliness. Amen? Protect it. Because purity is the ultimate thing that protects the call of God on your life. Amen? 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. I always use this verse whenever I talk to youth or young adults. It's a great verse because it gives the contrast of what we're to do. Okay? Um, how many like country music? Okay, we'll pray for you. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Lord Jesus, I know that Lucifer himself created country music. Therefore, oh, sorry. Oh, whoa. All right, I have just alienated myself from 53% of the congregation. We're having a pastor's potluck in a couple weeks. You want to come? Okay. But country music, all joking aside, country music created a form of dancing that we know today, right? What is it? Line dancing, good answer. And so if you could picture for a second a line right across the middle here. I mean, we kind of got one that interrupts here. But if you were to picture a line... Whenever we're dealing with the issues of impurity and sexuality, this is the constant question that I get from young people. How far is too far? Um, 
And my response is always something that makes them feel awkward. And I don't mean to make you feel awkward, but it's a good, it's a good response. You're asking the wrong question. So think about that again and ask me another one. Well, uh, here's the issue with having a line mentality. Here's the problem with country music, okay? Just, just listen to me for a second. <laughs> if you have a line mentality, then the whole idea is as long as I don't cross over the line, I'm okay. But what does this verse say? Uh, the next one there, thank you. Flee youthful lust. Pursue righteousness. So let's just say that that's youthful lust. This is righteousness. Well, we only have two choices. We're either walking that way or we're walking this way. So the line is irrelevant. We never even have to ask the question because when we're pursuing God, we, we would never ask the question because our whole heart's desire is to protect the purity of somebody else. Right? So the line mentality is irrelevant. Who cares? And then the focus turns pursuing righteousness. And guess what happens when we're pursuing this way? God reminds us of his line called God's standards that have been unchangeable for all of human history. Amen? Amen. That's good. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to back up a verse. And I want to show you something that's in here that's really, really cool. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, this is all the Christians in heaven cheering you on, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us from God. Throw off anything that hinders. I want to read to you the definition of the word hinder because it's so good and it's so perfect for this morning's message. It says this, Hinder means to create difficulties resulting in delay or obstruction. Difficulties that result in delay or obstruction. How many have ever felt like God's taken too long to bring your breakthrough? How many have ever felt like, you know, why in the world doesn't this thing change? Okay, let's be honest. I mean, if we're all being honest, every hand should be up. Yes, uh, well, I'm trying to be godly. Not going to put up my hand because that would make it seem like I'm ungodly. No, I'll put up my hand then for you. Okay, I'm putting up my hand. What's hindering? It's not God. What hinders is the level of mixture that we've allowed in our lives. Because God's blessings are so pure that if it comes into into uh, into connection with something that's mixed, it completely loses its value and worth. And ends up being more frustrating and more divisive than it was ever meant to be good. So what God wants us to do is look at it and say, listen, I'm, I am going to make the choice to remove anything that hinders, anything that entangles me, anything that causes delay, anything that causes obstruction. And I'm going to throw it off so that I can run my race. Amen? So here's the thought I want to land on today. I'm going to say it very quickly. I'm going to... Read one more verse and we're done. But I've been praying into this. I'm like, Lord, why, why is it that we struggle with this? Why is it that this is such a temptation for us? Well, I keep coming back to one, really two questions. Are we either cooperating with the Holy Spirit or are we conforming to the world's standard? In other words, are we compromising? So are we co- cooperating or are we compromising? 
It's only one of two things. So I came down to this, and as I was praying, God just dropped this on my heart. And this, honestly, I believe is the answer for this whole thing. Are you ready for this? Cooperation comes from relationship is based on identity. Compromise comes from relevance and is based on insecurity. People compromise because they want to be relevant and fit in. Because they have no security in anything else other than the desire to fit in, they make a compromise and they make a decision in their life that's going to compromise the very values that God would have for their life. But when you have a heart to cooperate with the very relationship that's been tried, tested, and true, God is faithful, 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 God is perfect in all of his ways. He's perfect in all of his ways. Then my identity is so locked up in him that I will always, every single day of my life, cooperate with the very thing that the Holy Spirit is telling me to do or to run away from because we're cooperating from a point of relationship based on identity. Do you see it this morning? Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How many are sick and tired of hearing testimonies about other people's God-given moments and want your own? Come on, let's be real this morning. I grew up in a church, I was in, in church for 22 years and begging and pleading God, God if you're real, show me, God if you're real, show me, God if you're real, show me. And then one night I prayed that prayer and it, down, yeah, God wrecked me forever. And for the first time in my life I can honestly say I saw God. That was 22, that's now years later. And, um, and I can tell you for the last number of years, I don't struggle with my identity in God. And I don't, understand, I don't struggle compromising because I know who I am. And I know who my father is. And I know how he feels about me. So I'm not looking to impress anybody else because I've already impressed the one that's impressed with me to begin with. God told me one day, it's going to sound really like, corny, but honestly, I was having this one moment many years ago and I was struggling. And God came to me, honestly, in my prayer time, and he says, guess whose picture is on my fridge? Think about that. We put our, the pictures of our kids on our fridge. Why? They've done these. Little, and sometimes they're not going to make any Picasso painting moments. They're really bad. But they're special to us. We value them. We value them. And so we put them on the place of honor, which is the fridge. The fridge is the place of honor. Okay? And everybody sees it. God has got your picture on his fridge. And it doesn't matter what you've done prior to 11.15 on November the 1st, 2015. It doesn't matter. Because God loves you. So how do we handle this situation? How do we handle it going forward? I want to give an example in the area of sexuality. And I, I just hope and pray that it relates to everything, but I want you to hear me for a second. How many know that we're all called to be spiritual moms and dads? Okay. So we may not have natural children, but that's okay. You're called to be a spiritual mom and dad. So whether you have natural children or not, and it doesn't even matter how old you are, you can be eight and be a spiritual mom and dad. Okay? Listen to this. What do we need to do? We need to teach our daughters, naturally and spiritually, to know the difference between a man who flatters her and a man who compliments her. We need to teach her the difference between who spends money on her and a man who invests in her. 
We need to teach her the difference between a man who views her, views her as property and a man who views her properly. We need to teach her the difference between a man who lusts after her and a man who loves her. We need to teach her the difference between a man who believes he's a gift to woman and a man who believes she's a gift to him. And then we need to teach our sons how to be that man. That's it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 